Let's go back to this. I am excited that we are planning revival. You know what? Because I am the games crew director, I like to spoil things a lot. I want to tell you that we have a new revival game coming. New revival game. Are you guys ready for this? Because since this is going to be the most unique, this we will probably never have a revival like this ever again. And as games crew director, we have to change things up. And you know what? I think it's time that we bring some serious games involved. You know what? I'm thinking some Navy SEAL Log PT. All right. Let's, let's, we, we're going to get some like 200 pound logs. We're going to carry them around. You guys are going to suffer and it's going to be awesome. I'm going to just love watching you guys try to do this well. And you know what? It's going to be really fun. We're going to yell at you. You're going to cry. You're going to weep. But you know what? I want you, to have, you guys to have a successful log PT. I want you to have a successful revival. So the key is not to have poor log PT like these poor guys. Instead, you want to be like these guys, just enduring it, working together. Because there's the key to having successful log PT is to work together. Because if you decide to not work together as a team this revival, what's going to happen is that there's going to be a ton of friction within your team. There's going to be uh, almost a meaninglessness to your team. There's going to be a ton of tension to your team. If this revival, you do not want to work together because we're bringing these 200 pound logs. I'm going to figure out how we can find them and bring them. And this is going to be the greatest revival ever. But in all seriousness, in the Christian walk, this is the same thing. If we decide to be the focus of our lives, then all of our relationships have friction. Our, our, all the work we put in, it becomes meaningless, meaningless because we're the only thing. And if we're the only thing in this world, then what happens when we pass? And then if we're the center of the, our world, there is just tension between all of our relationships that we have in this life. So it is so important why we need Colossians chapter three. This is why it's so important that we, we need Jesus to join our family. So please uh, turn to your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 18. Now, before I begin, I give you some time to get there. Just a quick uh, reminder, as Pastor Rod has preached before, when Paul was writing this letter to the Colossian church, he was trying to combat a heresy that the, the Colossian church was fighting. And so any instruction that we get from Paul throughout this letter Think about that they are being taught to do the opposite. The heresy in the culture is, are trying to tell the Colossian church to do the opposite. And Paul is trying to correct their thinking and correct their actions. So it's very important that you think about that. Also, remember Paul's overall goal in the Colossians. It's in ver, uh, chapter 1, verse 28. He wants us to be, pre he wants them and he wants us to be presented mature in Christ. So whatever instructions are given, starting in verse 18, this is for us to grow in maturity in Christ. And also, I want you to remember what happened right beforehand, what Pastor Rod has been preaching these last two sermons, is that if we are in Christ, if Christ is in us, we need to seek things above. We need to make sure we're, we're killing sin and putting to, to death what is earthly in us and also putting on new clothes, putting on new hearts, uh, forgiving hearts, kindness and patience. And so what, is, what Paul is about to instruct is that this is the instruction book for the Christian life. 
that if you are a follower of Christ, if you have repented and placed your trust in Christ, these are your instructions. And these instructions are going to bring um, a harmony to your life. It's going to give you purpose in your, in your work and, and everything that you do. And also it's going to remove tensions from in, in every type of relationship. And so when Christ is our King, we should joyfully submit to our King. And this is the thing that I hope you understand as you, uh, we, as you read and understand this text that you joyfully submit to Christ's kingship because he's the one that provides the harmony. He's the one that provides the purpose and he's the one that removes all tension and all types of relationships. So I hope you're ready to jump in with this, uh, jump in with, uh, with me starting in verse 28. All right, uh, sorry, verse 18, excuse me, verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as fitting as is fitting to the Lord, in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by, the, not by way of eye service as people's pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive, an, an, receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Masters, Treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. So what Paul is giving us here, he's giving the Colossian church, he's giving us instructions for our Christian walk. This is what a new life with Christ looks like. It's, it's submitting, it's obeying, it's treating others with respect and fairly, it's giving everything, giving it our all in our, in our lives. And I'm sorry, Forrest Gump, but this isn't true. Life is not like a box of chocolates. That's too sweet. We know, we've experienced life. There is hardships and pain. Instead, life is like a 200-pound log on your shoulders for at least two hours. That's what the Navy SEALs do day in and day out. This two-hour workout with 200 pounds on their shoulders in pain. And you know what? That is what life is like. But what Christ and what Paul, these instructions are to give us, it's not only to give us you know, a flawless PT workout with a giant log. In reality, it's to give us a it's to give us instructions to have a, a life that we can live now, a taste of the kingdom that we're we're going to experience in the future. So let's start off where where Paul starts off, where our log PT workout for the day, where Christ wants us to begin, is in the family. So start, let's go back to verse 18 real fast. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Now we are trending on Twitter in the wrong direction. People do not like us now. Wives, submit to your husbands. What does this even mean? Is this a robotic submission that the woman is to su submit as a robot to her husband overlord? Not at all. As Christ, the son, the eternal God, submits to the father, the wife will submit to her husband. And so it's it's like a partnership. They work, she's working together with the husband. And even though only a handful of us, you know, of your leaders are married and you're not married yet, but this is a principle that you can apply to submitting to your parents, submitting to your teachers, submitting to your bosses as fitting to in the Lord. Now, this is the clause that Paul is saying is that if it's according to the Lord's, uh, uh, according to obeying God, 
do it. Submit to your husband, submit to your teacher, submit to your bosses. But if they caught, if they want you to sin, don't submit. That, that's, that, that's your escape clause per se. But in most parts, we're going to submit to our government. We're going to submit to our bosses and teachers and, and our parents because they're not mostly trying to cause us to sin. Rather, they're trying to help us to thrive. So husbands, however, are supposed to love their wives. This isn't a dictatorial domination. No, this is loving leadership. So whenever you have leadership or when you have leadership, some of you serve in Awana, some of you serve in The Edge, some of your older siblings, you're supposed to lead with love and not be harsh. The husband is not supposed to be the harsh to his wife and we're not supposed to be harsh to people that we are over. Instead, we're supposed to lead them with compassion and kindness. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road, because for all of you, most of you, I should say, live under not your own house. Children obey your parents in everything. And again, if your parents are saying to rob a bank, don't do it. Let us know. We can talk. But obey your parents in everything. Get up when they say you get up. Do the homework you don't want to do. Do those chores that aren't fun. Obey your parents in everything. Why? Because this pleases the Lord. Why does this please the Lord? Because all authority in heaven is given, given to you by God. God gives the authority to your parents. He gives the authority to your teachers and to the government and to your small group leaders. So he gives the authority. And so when we disobey our leaders, our small group, our uh, small group leaders, our teachers, our parents, we're disobeying God himself indirectly. And in the Old Testament, that was a very harsh punishment for disobedience. And so God wants us to obey and we should obey. He is our king. And we'll talk about that some more later, but for the parents and for those who, for those of you who will lead and eventually all of you will lead in some capacity if fathers are not supposed to provoke their children or as put it in other translations to embitter their children, not to give these heavy demands that make, you know, that they're, you know, for the, the parents, children to feel that the, the child has, has lost, you know, to lose heart, to feel useless, to, to give up. You don't want to give such high bars or such demands that the, the, the child will be crushed. And then for you, if you are a project leader or if you're a small group leader or you're an elder sibling, you don't want to do that to your younger siblings or to the people below you that you're, that you're serving in leadership. Instead, you don't want to embitter them, but instead you want to lead them in love. What Paul is giving is he's giving his instructions on how the family unit under Christ can work. It can work harmoniously. And for those you, if you, and for th some of you that know this, when the family works in harmony, it is so refreshing. It, it, you can, you know how the, how, what, what fruit comes from this labor. And as a result, when you know the fruit of the labor and you want to do it, you want to enthusiastically embrace the role. So that's your first point. Enthusiastically embrace your role. Now, for those Navy SEALs who go through the suffering that is called BUDS, and know that log PT and then jumping in the cold ocean and getting no sleep, they, they enthusiastically embrace the role per se because they want the honor of becoming a Navy SEAL. They want to become not only just a Navy SEAL, but part of SEAL Team 6, the highest honor a Navy SEAL can get. But a lot of us, I mean, only Cam Richards is going to be joining the, the, joining the military here, but a lot of us aren't going to be joining the military. But what is another way that we can embrace our role? Well, what about a certain ride and galaxy far, far away at Disneyland? 
what about Galaxy Quest? There are different roles within this ride. If you're the pilot, you have the best role. You are flying the Millennium Falcon. And that is awesome. I was jealous of the pilots when I, it was my wife, my wife got to fly the Millennium Falcon, but I was the gunner. You know what? I embraced my role because you know what? Shooting a button and blasting lasers and shooting down TIE fighters, that is fun. I see the fruit of my labor. But as you can see, there's, th there's only two rows in this picture. There's really three rows in the, on that ride because the last row is the mechanic. Hey, push a couple buttons, make sure the ship doesn't fall. It's a lame role. I'm just going to say it. it's lame. And people who sit back there, they're grumpy. They're sad. They're like, why did I wait two hours just to be a gunner? I don't know, but I am sorry. I'm just shooting down TIE fighters. It's hard to embrace the role when you know that the fruit of your labor is lame. Like just sitting back there and watching the pilot in front of you crash the Millennium Falcon thinking I can do a better job. Instead, thankfully, the family unit is different. With the family, we know, or for, we can almost, we can feel the hint of that when the family unit works well, it's, it's like eating a watermelon on a hot summer day. It's refreshing. I mean, this is what it looks like. It just looks like the Averills and their beautiful white collared shirts at the sunset. I mean, look at Brody and Caleb. Look how young they are and tiny. But this is what a harmonious family can feel like and look like. And so that is why we're going to want to enthusiastically embrace our role. Because when we know the fruit of our labor, we will enthusiastically embrace that role and embrace the kind of the pain and the hard work. But here's another motivation. The reason why you want to embrace your role as a son, as a, as a daughter in your parents' household or whatever household you are into the teacher's classroom, into your small groups, like your leader small group, is that when you embrace your role in a submission and obedience as a child, you make room for godly leadership. For the Navy SEAL, they have a squad leader. And then when they submit to the squad leader, that log PT goes so much smoothly. And, and, and so they, they can have a successful time, but also to have a successful mission. For, uh, for dancers, you have the follow and then the lead. And when the, when the follow actually follows, the lead makes the, and the lead leads, the dance looks beautiful. For the orchestra, when the musicians submit to the conductor's um, commands, the songs sound beautiful. But when that flute wants to do its own thing, everyone can hear it and it hurts. But when a band decides, you know what, I want to do a harmony and the other guy will sing melody, when they do that together, together, when they submit to their role, they produce probably the greatest worship band of all time, Shane and Shane. And there you go, Shane and Shane, worship band, write that down. They're great worshiper, especially their hymns. But the reason why Shane and Shane work is because Shane submits his, to his role as harmony and the other Shane submits to his role as melody. And so when we submit to our roles, we make not just our family unit, any type of unit, our classroom, our small groups, our workspace, harmonious. But there's another reason I wanted to bring up. And the other reason that we want to embrace your role, especially for you as being a son and daughter in your parents' household, is that if you do, you might win some of them by, the, by your conduct because of your respectful and pure conduct. What Peter is saying in 1 Peter 3 is for a wife to a, a married to an unbelieving husband. I'm aware that some of you have unbelieving parents or unbelieving siblings or even unbelieving teachers and unbelieving uh, uh, students, 
and coworkers and bosses. And so if you want to win them for Christ, enthusiastically embrace your role as a coworker, as a student, and as a child, because you might be used by God to win that person for Jesus. So that's, that should be room for enthusiasm alone. So make room for godly leadership. Now, another way for us to, um, to embrace our role enthusiastically is to actually focus on loving others. And this is probably the hardest part is that we want to focus on ourselves. For the log PT, it's hard. It's two hours of, of terribleness. The guys want to focus on themselves, but they know if they focus on the other guys and when one guy falls and is weak and they, embrace, they take the load of the log for a moment, they know that that log workout will be a lot easier. But for us, if we're focused on, lover, uh, uh, on loving others, we can have, bring in a harmonious relationship. It's like a massage train. The massage train doesn't work if one person decides to stop massaging the person in front of them. You broke the chain. Instead, we need to focus on loving others. But also, we need to let go of bitterness. Sometimes we love being right. When our teacher is wrong, they may be spouting maybe evolution or something like that. And we're like, I want to embarrass my teacher. I want to embarrass my boss because my boss is terrible. You don't understand, Evan. My boss is a dictator. He's not a Christian. He persecutes me because I'm a Christian. But when we, when we embrace our role and we let that go and give that to God, and that's what God is trying to say is to let go of that. Let go of that bitterness because you can win all the fights you want. Win all the fights with your coworkers, your bosses, your siblings. And you might be king of the hill but you're going to be very alone. You might win all their arguments. You might disregard what Paul and what Christ is saying, and you will be alone by yourself. And I don't want that for you. I don't want you alone. Instead, I want you in the family of God. And that's we need to first humble ourselves to let go of our bitterness and to focus on loving others and actually embrace our role as a Christian. So let's start working together, True North. But we need not to only embrace our role, we need to do something else. And this is what Paul is going to talk about in verse 22 and going through 25. He starts off saying, bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. And this is not just a purely an external obedience. This isn't just saying, oh, do your job well. No, what Jesus wants, what God wants, he wants a sincerity of heart. He wants your heart to be in your work in every little, little detail. If it's, if it's from cleaning your room to making sure your desk is, desk is clean it, it, or to just taking out the trash or whatever it is that you're job demands at home or at work or at school. It's doing that homework to your best of your ability. Maybe put aside the video games just for a second to pour out your soul. Work heartily. That work heartily is pouring out your soul in every little detail. God doesn't want external obedience. He wants external and internal. And the Sermon on the Mount, he just didn't want people to go murder externally. He didn't want people to murder internally. He didn't want people to lust and commit adultery, adultery externally with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus wanted you to obey internally. And so he wants a whole obedience. But why is that? Because we are working for the Lord. You are serving the Lord Christ. Jesus is king, like Kanye West says. If the Queen of England was to come over to your room today and you knew about it, you're probably going to clean your room. 
But King Jesus is greater than the Queen of England, even though she's nice and sweet. But King Jesus is the one that died in our place and took on the wrath of God in our place and deserves our worship, deserves our work. And in Matthew 25, in a, in Jesus talks in a parable, he talks about how if we do good to others, when we do what we're supposed to do, embracing our role, serving others, loving others, helping the needy, we're not just serving those people. We're serving Jesus himself indirectly. So we need to make sure we have our eye on the prize in this regard. But as Paul continues, uh, he talks about the wrongdoer being paid back. What he wants to help the bond service to understand is those terrible masters in, that you slave masters that you have, God is going to take care of them. God is a God of justice. And so this is to comfort them knowing that God is not going to let those wrongdoings go aside as you're, as maybe you have a bad teacher or maybe a bad boss or a coworker that wronged you. Don't take vengeance. We've seen in the news that if you decide to be a vigilante and take the law in your own hands, tragedy happens. But if we give it to God, God will work out injustice, not just in this life, but in eternity as well. And so we need to make sure we're trusting in God and, and to take care of the wrongdoing, but also to the warning to us as well. Because remember, if we do wrong, we'll be paid for that. Uh, we'll be disciplined for that. So in order to serve our King Jesus, if we're going to serve the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ well, we not only need to embrace our role, we need to give everything that we have. So this is point number two. In everything, give everything for Christ's reputation. In everything, give everything for Christ's reputation. Because for those guys doing log PT, they need to give everything. In order for them to survive, they need to give every effort and every moment of that two-hour workout, every second needs to be everything. Otherwise, the whole squad's going to know it, the drill sergeant's going to know it, and they're going to suffer for it. But let's talk about someone else. Let's talk about the GOAT. There's a documentary going around about the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. You know it? And I'm sorry, LeBron James, but Michael Jordan is the real GOAT. Michael Jordan is the GOAT. He won six championships in the NBA in the 90s. This is before you were even, I think, no, yeah, most of you weren't even born yet. So he is the greatest basketball player of all time because he dedicated everything to the sport. And as you, if you watch the documentary, you find out he wanted his teammates to give everything too. If his teammates didn't, uh, if his teammates didn't give everything, give everything they had to the sport to win, he wanted them off the team, and he was ruthless. But you know what? Thankfully, Michael Jordan's go to basketball. Instead, we have the goat of goat. We have the king of kings. We have Jesus Christ who has dominion over all human existence, and he's sovereign over all. And so we need to give our everything to this king. So in everything, give everything for Christ's reputation. Now, how do you do this? How do you give your soul to King Jesus? How do you give everything to King Jesus in, in, the, in the, the mundane, the hard stuff of life, the boring stuff of life, or your homework or your chores? How do you do that? How do you give your soul? Know whom you serve whom you serve. Remember who you are serving. Michael Jordan, he, he gave it all for a trophy, for six trophies. And that's awesome. This trophy is pretty. It's gold. It's shiny. Apparently, you can hug it really well. You can cry over it. But it's a trophy that's going to melt eventually. It's going to get rusty. Instead, who is King Jesus? 
King Jesus is the one who gave his life for our life, who took on the wrath of God for us. If we understand more of what that's like, we will naturally, I don't even have to give you instructions. Paul doesn't need to give you instructions. When you understand the cross better, you will know how to give your soul to every task because you'll realize that Jesus is on the cross for you. As in Luke 7 puts it in uh, 36 and through 50, he talks with the woman who's uh, who's washing his feet with her with her hair, and people are aghast. He says, "You don't understand." She understands this. Her sins are many, and forgiven because she, and she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. If you struggle with knowing how to pour out your soul, is because you don't understand who you serve yet. You don't understand maybe your sin enough, and that's why I want to call you today. And your small, maybe in your small groups, right after this, think about your sin. Write down your sin. Look at your sin and see how evil your sin is and how wicked it is against a holy and amazing God who loves you, who created you. But we need to look at our sin and understand the gospel because when we just sit, think about a moment for the gospel, we'll be like that woman in Luke chapter 7. We'll be at the, uh, at the feet of Jesus in thankfulness and having our sins forgiven. And so with that being said, how to, do we endure the hard times of life? How do we keep pouring out our soul? We keep our eye on the prize. For the Navy SEALs, again, SEAL Team 6, that is the eye on the prize. But for this guy, Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, this guy eats incredibly healthy. For 150 days at a time, he eats super strictly. I don't know his exact diet, but the reason why he's able to do that is because he has the eye on the prize. His prize is 12 pancakes, a dozen pancakes, a dozen chocolate and peanut butter brownies, and four pe He eats this by himself. He doesn't share. He eats this by himself. This is his cheat day. And the reason why he's able to be disciplined because he has his eye on the prize. And for us, for us to stay disciplined, for us to continually to pour out our, our everything and every little detail of our lives is that we have eternal life coming. We have the new Jerusalem that we get to be a part of. We have the new earth that we get to live in. And that's why it's important that we, we read books like Heaven by Randy Alcorn and we just study Revelation because we can keep our eyes on the prize. But the second way we can endure, part, you know, part two, is that we know that Jesus is the true avenger. Like in verse 25, Jesus says the wrongdoer would be paid back. Just like the avengers, they avenged the world when half the world will snap, spoilers, when Thanos destroyed half the world's population. They came out and avenged the earth. They're like, this is wrong and we're going to fight back. But thankfully, we have someone greater than Thanos and all the avengers combined the second coming of Jesus, Jesus is going to come back and destroy the devil. He's going to throw Satan and his angels into hell and all of those who follow them. Jesus is not going to let injustice live another, another breath. So it's important for us to remember that Jesus is the true avenger. So when someone wrongs us, we, don't, we do not take vengeance in our own hands. Instead, we trust God as our avenger. He's going to take care of justice. And furthermore, we should pray for those who wrong us, pray for our enemies, and hope that they get saved. Because remember, we deserve hell as much as the people around us because of our own sin. So in order for us to have a good log PT workout in our life, we need to enthusiastically embrace our role and also to give everything that we have. But those two things don't, that, that's not the whole pie. That's not the whole sandwich. Instead, we need chapter four, verse one. Now chapter four, verse one says, masters, 
treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Now, why is this important? Think about this. In the first century church, in ancient Greece, when the apostles were teaching, when people were getting saved, most likely the population of Christians were probably more people that were slaves and bond servants than masters. They were both. But think about that. In the Roman world, the master had complete control over his slaves. But now in the Christian church, it's been flipped. The people who are probably the spiritual leaders in the church are probably the slaves. They're the ones actually teaching the, bond, the, the masters how to live a godly life. And you can see that there's, a, there's potential for tension right there. The, the servants, the slaves can take revenge on their masters by maybe excommunicating from the church. And the masters can take revenge on the slaves by being harsh with their, with their, with their workers. But instead, Paul is calling and saying, no, remember that you, masters, you have a master in heaven. Remember that what you own has been given to you. I have given you everything you have. I am a master over what you own and I'm a master over you. So it's a, it's a humble reminder for the masters and for us to remember we have a greater we have a greater master than our teachers, our parents, and our bosses. And then when you have responsibilities for those who serve in the edge, you have a leader above you, not just, um, not just the edge leaders like Tori Canavo and Jamie Pence. No, you have God that's in charge of you. So when you lead, don't be a dictator. Instead, lead with love. Jesus is giving us instructions on how to have great relationships between a coworker or so a worker and their boss, for a student and their teacher, for a son and daughter to their parents, to, um, to the follower and to the lead. And so he's giving us instructions in the hardest places to have instructions for relationships. And you know what? We need all the instructions that we can get. So this is point number three, follow Christ's guide to relationships. Don't follow your own guide to relationships. Follow Christ's guide to relationships. Just as a guy, I need to make sure that um, I'm following directions. I need directions. I need to follow Christ's guide to relationships because let's be real. We don't know how to do relationships. We don't know how to have romantic relationships or friendships or how to have relationships with our parents or our bosses and teachers without God. Before the YouTube age really kicked off, these books, the, these books for dummies were very, very popular. And there's actually some very interesting titles out there. There's conspiracy theories for dummies. You know, these are instruction manuals, ferrets for dummies, raising smart kids for dummies, uh, flirting for dummies. If you want to buy that book, doing business in India for dummies or retiring greyhounds for dummies. These are instruction manuals in case you happen to have a greyhound that needs to be retired. There's your instruction manual. Go buy that book. If you want to know how to flirt well, probably don't buy that book, but there's an instruction manual saying, hey, here is your guide. And there's even more interesting titles out there that I've found. I'm not sure if these are actual instruction manuals, but I thought these titles were hilarious. How to steal a dog, how to start your own country, how to raise and keep a dragon, how to survive a ro robot uprising in the book, I need to buy Pastor Rod, how to speak cat. That is gonna be very interesting right there. So in order for us to speak cat, we need the instructions on how to decode the cat language. Just like relationships, we need to follow Christ's guides to relationships. And the first step in doing that is that we need to remember that we are one with Christ. That, there, that there, we are one. There is, we are on all equal footing. Just as in the log PT, they're all in it together. They're doing the terrible workout together. So why try to be a dictator? Why, to, why rebel? You're, you have, everyone has that log on their shoulders. Or as the Mandalorians put it, this is the way. 
The Mandalorians understood this in the show Mandalorians is that no Mandalorian is above the way, that they're all part of the way. They're, that they're all in one, they're one in unity. So if one Mandalorian's in trouble, all the Mandalorians come. Or as Paul put it in Colossians 3 verse 11, there is no Jew or Greek, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave, free. Christ is in all and in all. We are all one with Christ. And what the implications of that is when you look at someone uh, in, in the Zoom call, everyone's one in Christ. There is no hierarchy. To, in God's eyes, we are saved because of him and nothing else. And as a result, if we know that we are one with Christ and Jesus is our king, we know that Jesus is Lord of all. And that anything that we're given, because God has you know, given a hierarchy of leadership per se, we have, we have Pastor Mike, we have then Pastor Rod, and then you have myself, and then you have your leaders, and then there's you. There's a hierarchy that God has given us, but we understand that we're just appointed stewards, all right? We don't want to self-appoint ourselves like, you know, Dwight Schrute, where he wants to be the regional manager so bad that he says, I'm the assistant to the regional manager. No, God is the one that appoints things. Or as Daniel 2 puts it, He's the one that removes kings and sets up kings. God's in, uh, in charge of governments. God's in charge of electing the next president of the United States, if it's going to be Trump or if it's going to be Biden. God's in charge. So if you are a small group leader of Awana or Edge, God has given that to you. And as a result, we need to make sure we understand that we cannot lead. We cannot lead saying, listen to me because I'm in charge. Listen to me. I'm your older sibling. I'm in charge. Listen to me. I'm a senior freshman. Listen to me, I'm in charge. Hey, I'm the leader of this small group, you listen to me. We can't rule like a tyrant. Instead, we get to lead with love. We, we have to lead with humility because we are one in Christ. We are under Christ's kingship. Since Jesus is Lord of all, we can lead with humility. Jesus opposes the proud. And this is, what, this is how Jesus wants us to lead. As in 1 Peter 5 says, do not be domineering over those who you're in charge. So for your older siblings, don't be domineering to your younger siblings. For those who are in charge of small groups, don't be domineering. Those who are over projects, don't be domineering. Instead, clothe yourselves with humility because God opposes the proud. Because remember, everything has been given to us by God, and that's it. And so we need to make sure we lead with humility. So make sure you follow Christ's guide to relationships and everything. So in order for us to have an amazing revival, in order for us to have an amazing log PT, in order for us to have an amazing life with Christ here and now and looking forward to the future, we need to review. When Jesus joins the family, we, join the family, we need to embrace our role. Embrace your role as a child to your parents, to a student to your teachers. See how God can use that and work through that to save other people and to glorify himself. We also to make sure we um, remember who Christ is and who, what he has done for us. And so we need to give everything that we have in every little detail of our lives for God's glory and for God's reputation and not our own. And lastly, we need to make sure that we follow his guides. We have to toss out our guidebook. Toss out what you think is right. Put on Christ, follow his instruction manual, because we messed up the world. He's the one actually restoring it. And if you have that perspective, True North, you can joyfully live under Christ's lordship. You can see the harmony that can be built within your family or any other, your classroom or your work. You can see that you have purpose now in your work, in your chores, in the minutiae of your work. 
and you can have transferring relationships to people around you. Now, if you want to just ignore all this and live for yourself, I, you're missing out. I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to miss out on the harmony that you can, you can experience now and that you get to fully experience in eternity. I don't want you to miss out of having purpose in your work. And I don't want you to miss out to having a transfer, transform relationship, not only with the people around you now, but with Jesus Christ himself. So I implore you, if you haven't already, make sure you've repented and trusted in Christ and make sure in your life that Christ is supreme. Let's pray and then we'll be done. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for being supreme in our lives. Lord, thank you for giving us this instruction manual. And I pray, Lord, that we are able to live it out well. Lord, that we enthusiastically embrace our role. Lord, that we give you everything because you deserve everything. And Lord, help us to follow your guidebook because, Lord, you are the only way we can actually live a successful life here and now according to success by your definition and good by your definition. But Lord, because of that, we get to just look forward to the eternal kingdom that you are bringing. So Lord, I pray pray that all of us would put on Christ and die to ourselves. I pray these things in your name. Amen.